0: The future is a wild fantasy. It's feverishly concocted out of our hopes, fears, biases, ignorance, and imagination, saying far more about us than what is to come. Predictions of the future are really just reflections of the present. And that means we're really bad at predicting what the future will bring. But that's not going to stop us from trying to do just that. It's simply too irresistible. We can, however, try to learn from futurism's checkered past, correct what errors we can find, and perhaps do a little better. Along the way, we can learn about the past and present of technologies that dominate our world. We can follow the arc of the history of science and technology and perhaps extrapolate it a little bit into the future. My brothers and I have been doing this our whole lives. As children growing up in the 60s and 70s, we were in love with science, technology, science fiction, and the incredible promise of the future. We were too young to have experienced the disappointment of future promises repeatedly failed, and so we naively believed the advances set before us. Many of them are now solid clichés about the future, but back then we anxiously anticipated our flying cars, jetpacks, moon settlements, and intelligent robot servants. Our fondness for science fiction didn't help. The movies and television we watched depicted a near future with technology that now seems to be about a century premature. In The Six Million Dollar Man, Steve Austin sported prosthetic robotic limbs that 50 years later are still not even close to achievable. In 2001, we were supposed to have space stations and sentient computers. And weren't researchers working on beaming vivid experiences directly into our brains? Even dark futures like the year 2019, depicted in Blade Runner, had flying cars and genetically modified androids indistinguishable from humans. No matter how socially and environmentally devastated the future was presented to be, what I marveled at was the technology. We could work the other stuff out, as long as there were flying cars. Our techno-optimism was likely significantly influenced by growing up in the era of Apollo. We were landing people on the moon and using advanced computers, and despite a few hiccups, it all worked out well. Watching Gene Cernan step off the moon and back into the lunar lander during the Apollo 17 mission in 1972, my younger self couldn't conceive that 50 years later we still would not have returned, let alone not have a settlement on the moon. Where is Moonbase Alpha? The flip side of this disappointment and false promises is that some of the biggest technological advances in the last half century, the ones that have had the most significant impact on our lives, were not featured in future predictions or science fiction. As I write this, I carry in my pocket a supercomputer, by the standards of my youth, that allows me to communicate instantly through video, audio, or text to almost anyone, anywhere in the world. As a bonus, I have access to my entire personal music library, It serves as a digital camera that can take as many photos as I want, without the need for film, and can even give me directions to anywhere I want to go. It can access practically the sum of human knowledge in a searchable, interactive format. If I get bored, this device can play movies and contains countless video games that would have blown child me away. The smartphone and the World Wide Web that can be accessed through it, along with social media, online shopping, countless apps and other features are absolute miracles of future technology. It far exceeds what I would have thought possible 30 to 40 years ago. Past depictions of the future generally did not anticipate anything like it. Even Star Trek, a favorite techno-optimist utopian future, did not see our digital revolution coming. So, we have made great technological strides in the last 50 years, just not in the ways that we thought. Why is it that people are consistently so bad at predicting the future? If we can understand this, perhaps we can do a little better. Or perhaps the forces that shape the future are too chaotic to predict with any accuracy beyond a certain point, like trying to predict the weather. But while we cannot predict specific weather with much accuracy, we can predict overall changes in climate. It's easier to predict that travel will get faster in the future, for example, rather than the specifics of automotive technology. One potential fix to bad futurism, therefore, is to focus on large trends rather than trying to imagine tiny details. Even there, however, futurists can get tripped up. In the movie Minority Report, for example, they presented a thoughtful picture of the near future of 2054. I will not be able to say how accurate it was for another 30 years, but one choice stuck out to me. People were using teeny-tiny phones. The movie was made in 2002, prior to smartphones. The trend then for cell phones was to get smaller and smaller, so the writers extrapolated this out another 50 years. Unfortunately for them, the iPhone was released in 2007, essentially reversing the trend by fundamentally changing how personal phones are used, Suddenly, screen real estate became a premium, and inevitably phones got larger. The iPhone was a disruptive technology, changing the status quo of an entire industry and changing our lives forever. Perhaps we are now settling into a range of screen sizes that represents the optimal balance of portability and usability, depending on some personal and situational variables, or maybe a new disruption will occur. Companies are indeed looking for ways to disrupt the cell phone market again by creating foldable or expandable phones, reminiscent of a time before iPhones. Will this technology take off, remain niche, or completely fail? If you could reliably predict even the next step in how a single technology will evolve, you would be a tech millionaire. Even scientists and tech leaders in the past famously made terrible predictions about the future including about technology in which they were involved. Take Thomas Edison, who said, the phonograph has no commercial value at all, in the 1880s. Or Ken Olson, who claimed in 1977 that, quote, there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Even if you can foresee that first step, try predicting the next 50 steps for a thousand technologies. That's the future.